Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi Pamela, welcome back to the Demand Matrix podcast series titled Sunny Side Up. We're really happy to have you here for the second time. How do you feel? Oh, hello, hello. It is so good to be back. Thank you so much for having me and uh, getting the opportunity to talk with you again. I really enjoy it. So thank you. You're most welcome. And this time we basically wanted to try and touch base on creative ways to, you know, make content gating an interesting venture. So that's the main aim of this episode. And uh, the last time I think we touched base upon a lot of content marketing strategies and content gate. We touched a lot about content gating as well. And this time we hope to share a lot more creative ideas with our audience. Perfect. It's a hot topic, right? It's one that I think every marketing team continues to have internally and kind of monitor externally what other companies are doing and what works and what doesn't work. So I don't know if you can ever, it's going to become an old topic anytime soon, right? It's just, uh, it's something we're all dealing with every single week. Yeah. Let's just uh, discuss some of the most common and basic factors here. What are some of the hits and misses when it comes to promoting gated content assets according to, according to you? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. The whole intent here is to get your content in front of the right person at the right time, right? And so the challenge with that, the challenge and the opportunity is we have a lot of platforms, you know, between our social media platforms and our own website and email, right? Different platforms where we can get things in front of our folks. I think that one of the misses we have is not taking into consideration how these different platforms play into the audience journey. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes we're just really pulled with our resources and our time. Actually, we all are, I'm sure anyone listening to this, if they're in marketing feels that way. And so sometimes, you know, trying to find the generality is what gets us into trouble. And so really understanding if I'm putting a piece of gated content out on, say, Facebook or Twitter, how am I positioning that? Um, How am I uh, teeing that up in terms of the messaging, in terms of the headline? Just really being cognizant and aware that even though I might be the same buyer that comes in and touches your information through various platforms, how I receive it needs to work with that platform. So I think that's one area we could all use some improvement. And I think one of the reasons we ch- are challenged with that is because of resource constraint. It does take time to do that. And then I think another miss uh, for us is I still, especially in the B2B, and I hate to say it B2B tech space, <laughs> but especially in the B2B space, we still see the forms that are just super long, just way too much information, especially when it's from an awareness lead generation capability. And that whole adage of on a first date, don't ask me to marry you, right? And Mm -hmm. so we're asking for the email address, the name, the phone number, their department, what part of the country or perhaps world they're in, you know, what size is their organization? All of those questions actually tend to turn folks off initially. And that's part of the, you know, building the trust process to ask me those questions. Let me come in and meet you first. So I think there's still some room for improvement with how we uh, reach out and do this promotion. But at the same time, one of the wonderful things we have is so many different ways to do it now versus even say five years ago. Absolutely. That's true. And then, so what have you been seeing in terms of the ills when it comes to getting too many content assets? So everybody has a whole bunch of eBooks and white papers through which they 
like to indirectly reach out to their target audience. But oftentimes we see a lot of small to medium sized brands gate too many of their assets. And, you know, when you're a smaller company, what we also observe is that not many of the audience base would want to share their details to see what you've written because there's a lot of information that's already free. And they probably want to rely on bigger brands established brands to read yeah. that kind of information. So what, what are your thoughts on this aspect, the ills of gating too many of your content yeah. assets? <laughs> you know, it's such a catch-22 scenario, isn't it? When you have a small team, for example, and your resources are constrained, one of the beautiful things about marketing automation and the ability to ask for gated information is that really that automation process can really be almost an outsourced extra marketing team member, right? And I think that's where the danger also lies is when we have such a reliance on the expectation that if we can get them to download this and then download the next piece and the next piece, we can do this progressive profiling and get to our MQL and our SQL scores faster, right? But the danger in that is that we're doing it from a very selfish place. We, uh, we're kind of being a uh, I guess, controlled by our own lead management process, right? Versus really understanding, to your point, if my audience is one that's really hesitant to provide this information, then you have to come back to the trust factor. And this is where I do think really making sure your social media presence and your content marketing presence are aligned very strongly. That, you know, it's kind of interesting with smaller organizations, I think they do that well or do it better because you're just more agile. But these larger organizations, the irony is that in our ability to break down silos, we actually created more silos in the marketing department. So we now have a social media person. And often I've worked with organizations from an enterprise level where they're not even involved in the content ideation process. They're not involved these areas that you would assume a social media presence would automatically be involved, you know, the messaging and how it's going to be teed up for getting them to follow through on the gated content. So I think when you're feeling that your gating is actually getting in the way, it's time to take a step back and ask yourself, how can I better build trust with the audience that I'm I'm looking to build trust with? And what are ways we can do that? Again, you have these amazing platforms. Maybe it's a an opportunity to adjust how you're sharing your information and where you're sharing it so that when I am coming into something gated, I feel like I do know, like, and trust you, which is so critical in today's world, right? Right. So at this point, what what have you seen some of the leading brands do? Yeah, since I knew we were going to be talking about this, I was doing a little bit of research. And it's funny because a lot of the larger brands, and you and I, we work in the marketing, a lot of technology and B2B space, right? So the challenge with that is we kind of know the brands well from, (laughs) from our own personal selfish needs, right? So, and I say that from like some brands like say Salesforce or Oracle or these larger technology marketing brands, there are so many things they do well with terms of gating, providing valuable information. And they also do a nice job. And this is a general, kind of a general overarching, right? They also do a nice job of providing even something as robust as an ebook or a white paper, like you mentioned, free at certain stages so that we're not feeling feeling like we have to give our information for everything. However, on the flip side to this, sometimes the larger companies also are challenged. They might be great at getting you to come in, but I think they jump on the sales uh, conversation still too quickly, right? 
it's very challenging to find a large brand that is doing all aspects of this well. There's pieces they do well, and then there's other pieces where I think that, you know what, I just downloaded a white paper to get information that you sent to me in an email. Now you're already calling me on the telephone, right? (laughs) Like, whoa, Mm -hmm. wait, hold on. (laughs) That kind of pattern of when the behavior actually makes sense for the inside sales call, that type of thing. At the same token, some of our, they're smaller brands in terms of size, but they have a really nice reach. I think of digitalmarketer.com, another uh, marketing training uh, company kind of in this space. They do a really nice job of balancing the free information along with the gated information. And Mm -hmm. here's the key to this, Paroma, is when I do take in something that's gated, All the other information you share with me, especially when you're sending me additional emails, will it continue to fulfill that same level of quality? And Mm -hmm. I think there are some organizations like Digital Marketer, for example, CoSchedule is another platform in the space that's starting to really, this past couple of years, really uh, improving their content strategy around that. But some, this is where I think some of the larger brands kind of fall flat. They start off really strong, but then they kind of fall into their old routines, right? And so then, of course, the challenges are, am I going to unsubscribe you, right? Now that you've got me, are you going to continue to give me the quality that I expected from the first touch? Or am I going to get just kind of par for the course and it doesn't feel as high in value? And eventually, if it feels like you're getting too much, that isn't good we unsubscribe. So this is a never ending process, right? For all of us in terms of putting out quality information, not just at the initial gate, but even afterwards and moving forward. Right. So here's a slightly more tricky question. As a content marketer, we as content marketers rather would maintain a company blog primarily to get relevant traffic to the website. But a content marketer would choose to gate certain types of content assets because it helps classify your leads. You're not, yes. you know, you're filtering them. You're using that to filter the kind of traffic that's coming to you. So here's the question. What do you think is better as a strategy to just pick one type of content format for content marketers, for example, like video, audio, or text, and continuously use that to increase volumes as well as traffic to the site? Or should they still be focused on this entire gated gated philosophy, which is something you've often said will never go away? <laughs> That's a really great question. I think there are certain formats that just lend itself naturally to being better ungated. And what I'm automatically thinking of is, say, awareness level content for podcasting, for audio, for example. When you think of, it's a very challenging medium to gate, right? So it can be a wonderful medium if you're building a nice, solid Uh, audience and listenership to drive that loyalty and trust right into your website and into other information, into the score, you know, the lead score process. So I think there are just some that it's really challenging to gate. Some video is really challenging to gate as well. And part of the reason of this is because when you think about YouTube or the different uh, podcast uh, subscribe apps like Apple, you know, their Apple podcast app, There's such a high expectation that it's just available with one or two clicks, right? That Mm -hmm. it's really challenging to gate it. You have to be very, very cognizant that what you're gating is truly valuable and truly only find it here kind of scenario, which is a little more challenging with some of these mediums. At the same time, so that's where to kind of answer your question, I think we're seeing uh, overall generally some really good success with lead gen video and audio in the uh, just overall ungated because it's such a great trust building platform, right? You see me, you hear me. This is the real deal here. 
At the same token, when you do start to drive uh, more of a gating conversation, it really comes back to what is it that I can do to provide value? And I don't have specific statistics around like mediums, like white paper versus ebook. But I do believe that when you're giving me something that I can truly take action on fairly easily, that becomes more valuable. So I think our checklists, our resources, those types of things are great lead gen gates because you're fulfilling on an immediate promise. And then, of course, you need to fulfill it along the line. So it's a really interesting question. I think I would lean towards some of these more trustworthy mediums, audio, video, to be great lead generators and necessarily not gate them until you feel that you've already developed some kind of rapport with them. Because you think about it, right? Like even as we're having this conversation, I can't give this same kind of, I guess, uh, emotion. Yeah. Yeah. If if we were to transcribe this and then type it all out, it's just not the same, right? Yeah. Some of the value would just get lost. It does. It does. The emotion, the, wow, she seems to sound like a nice person, right? (laughs) Right? Thanks. Right? They they all come into play and then you throw video on top and now I get to actually look at you and see you and you, you know, your smile and, and all those little nuances on a very subconscious level build this trust and rapport so that when you do gate something of value that might be a little more text-based, I feel a sense of loyalty. I feel a sense of trust. So it's a great question. I think it's one of the reasons we see those mediums not gated as much, especially in the awareness stages. Right. When it comes back to smaller teams, smaller companies, and maybe even mid-sized companies, they may not necessarily have an entire content marketing or a content team either. So when it comes to posting content regularly on their pages, on their websites, and uh, when it comes to content gating, how would you tell them to divide the effort so that there's a priority for both? Or should they be dividing their effort, if at all? It's a really great question. I think there has to be some dividing of of efforts because as we mentioned earlier, it's still such a prevalent part to the lead management process, right? I don't Mm -hmm. know if we'll ever see gating totally go away because it's so vital to be, to your point, to be able to segment people, right? Or to be Mm -hmm. able to allow your internal sales team or your sales staff to start gaining insights. And what a great way for marketing and sales. I mean, we, we struggled for so many years for marketing and sales to align and work together. Now we're seeing that much more today. And it's partly in play because we're developing content that's gated based on what sales is telling us is important to the audience, right? So it's a really a kind of a delicate relationship. So if you're on a small team, I think you do need to take into consideration maybe even a 50-50 or possibly a 60-40. And what I mean by 60-40 is 60% free, 40% gated, or maybe even 70-30. I think the majority of your valuable content for free is still extremely powerful and important because it is the best awareness tool you have. It is the best differentiator you have in terms of your brand and company's value proposition and your ability to put your voice out there. So you do want to make sure that you have solid content that's in front of them, whether it's a consistent blog, a consistent podcast, a combination of these things. But you still will need to consider some type of gating methodology, I believe, just simply because it makes it efficient, right? It makes the efficiency of our small teams to be able to provide data and information to our executive teams or to our leadership that keeps this motor running. 
And all of those moving parts become part of a bigger whole. But I do think uh, perhaps a little more on the free, uh, but making sure that you have, you know, something in parallel that's working with your campaigns so you can track your data there as well, for sure. Right. So let's come to another another point here. There's always access to free information. And yes. if teams get their content and a reader's not really interested in sharing their contact information in exchange for that content, they'll still find a way to find what they're looking for. You know, even if it's like a report or it's a certain statistic or any kind of information, it's not it's not for certain that they're going to share their details because they will find what they want somewhere else. It's a big platform online. The online space is really vast. So what content marketers started doing is focusing on adding value to the content that they get in exchange for this contact information that they wanted. This is my question here. Is this enough of a strategy to draw people to exchange this valuable information, you know, their email ID, which I think it was you who said that this is the price they pay. Right. right. <laughs> yes. So yes. is this really, yeah, so you, this is what you had, this is how you had uh, explained it the last time we spoke. Yeah. I mean, what I'm trying to understand here is, is there another way for them to maybe lock an offer behind this gated content, this gated form, another creative way to portray this kind of content? Because it seems to be getting a little more competitive and stagnant now the way I look at it. It is. It kind of goes to that that idea, too, of it's not always about more, right? It's about the quality. And the quality kind of equates to this value, right? What is the value? What is it that we really want to provide our audience that is valuable to them? And then on top of this Paroma, we we can put our customer journey down on paper, right? And we can put it in a circle. We can put it in a line. It doesn't matter. I still am going to come at my own pace based on who and what I am and what I know, right? So it's, right. it's just a mess out there. And you're absolutely right. So I think a couple of things that we have to take into consideration in today's world is this the strength and opportunity for these content hubs. And when I say content hubs, obviously there are some platforms. Um, I think Path Factory has their version of a content hub. And then there's uh, Uberflip has a content hub methodology. These content hubs, I think, are going to be more of the future of where content needs to go to kind of answer your question as to how do we keep our audience engaged when they have free, but they can go anywhere. But also we still need to drive them to some downloads so that we can track them. I think even taking a step back and saying, how do we keep them engaged for as long as possible on our stuff, right? And so this requires two things. It requires one, a platform where all of our content is very easily within one click. I can go through my own journey one click at a time through the information you provide. And that's what content hubs tend to uh, be able to do well. So there's that platform. And then the flip side to this is in resources. And this is where we always get a little hung up, especially if we're a small team. How do I develop an entire journey's worth of content for the what if scenario, right? And this is not easy, but it really is doing the foundational work so well on your buying journey stages, as well as your personas, so that you're developing all of this great trust value content, and it's going to happen or going to be fed to your audience when they want it, keeping them there, keeping them on your space, because you're absolutely right. There is no such thing. We're all a commodity today, right? Services or products that are so special and unique, they're the only one who does it. So it's very easy for us as as searchers on the web to find it from multiple sources. 
I think the other piece to this is building trust and building relationship. And we hear those words quite a bit. But when you think about it, once I feel like I'm very aligned to a brand or a person within a brand, it changes the conversation. It changes my search. And the other piece to this is as we move into more voice controlled search, right? With your Alexas and your series and your, right? Uh, We need to really understand how search is being done moving forward and creating our content so it aligns with that. Because unlike Google, our search on voice is the most popular is going to rise to the top. So it's going to be a very interesting mix here in the coming you know, short, you know, probably what, two, three, four years to see how all that plays out. But I think content hubs and keeping them on on your space for as long as possible is where we want to start focusing on to be able to handle some of these other challenges better. Okay. So I'm just going to throw another question out there. Tell me when it comes to, again, these the smaller and the medium-sized companies, would you ever advise them to avoid creating gated content assets? Is it a better way for, you know, smaller teams to drive traffic using free content distribution efforts or is gated content a strategy you would absolutely tell people to follow? Great question. I'm probably a little on the fence here. Um, when I think through that question, because here's the challenge when we talk about small teams, we talked about lack of resources, right? Or the inability to create more, we have to be really focused with our efficiency. And this is where I think content gating, marketing automation, our technology platforms are super helpful for small teams, right? The challenge, of course, is that we don't want to feel like um, there isn't the uh, emotion behind the content. So I would still encourage, I think what it is, is about streamlining, really looking at your buying journey, your personas and your content ideation as kind of a Venn diagram, right? And deciding where based on your business objectives, where are my gaps? Where are we gapped in content that's going to drive the best results for our business? And start to decide there on developing perhaps a campaign or two that includes some gated content that's very specific to those objectives so that it's working somewhat in an automated sense that you're still tracking and tweaking if you have to, but there's an automated element to it so that when you have those up and running, you can spend more time developing these free resources for consistency purposes and to keep some fresh content out there. So I really think it still has to be a balance, but when you're using the automation in a small team, Use it as smart as you possibly can and be very cognizant that you're using it as almost an additional team member, right? Not just to make your life easier, but let's have this team member actually work with you on the smartest parts of your business. I think this was an interesting take on content gating and uh, how people can do it a little more effectively or optimally. And you as a content marketer don't see it going away anytime soon. Me as a content marketer, I do hope it does. Right. Because, yeah, because you know, I always have this, I have this opinion that there's a lot of content out there and, you know, gating things is not necessarily the best way to get people or to filter leads. If I can find another way to do it, and find another way to engage with my audience, of course, using content, a creative way, I'd rather go for something like that. Because what I see is people struggle to promote their gated asset as well. 
yes. to run campaigns. Yes. And, and you know, there's a lag there. It's not as simple as, okay, I'm going to create a 10-page or a 23-page ebook and I'm going to publish it here and I'm going to hope people come. No, you have to promote it and re-promote it and redistribute it. And I think what's required in this space is creativity. So, so yeah. So it's, it's interesting to see how fellow content marketers like you and many others do believe in how gated content will stay. May, it might change. The way we do it might change. But hiding things behind a lead form is not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, so I guess this conversation was interesting and I hope you <laughs> return for something else. And I'm right there with you, Paroma. I hope that we can move away from this. You know, I think one of the challenges we have is that it took us a long time to get our sales and marketing teams aligned and we used gating and marketing automation and tracking how content is engaged through these platforms, right, as a way to make that alignment happen. And just as it took that long to get to this point, to your point, I would love to also see gating you know, eventually move to the wayside because I believe there is enough quality content and we have to, it's promotion is critical, 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 but it will take some time, I think, to now kind of re-educate all of those people because this moves so fast, right? Right. (laughs) And it's kind of, I kind of equate it to if you ever, if you've ever worked inside of a really large enterprise and you have new software that's going to be implemented throughout the entire organization, it can take like two to three years from the first computer that gets the software to the last computer, right? Around the company. I kind of equate that with some of our marketing challenges is it changes quicker or more quickly than we can actually implement. But I'm with you. I have hope that we'll move to less gating. I just think it will take some time. Yeah. Great. So I'll see you soon. And, and maybe next time we'll have a video interview because I remember you mentioned it's you'd probably have a better connect when you see video content. So yeah, that. yeah, that yeah. would be great. That would be fantastic. Great. Yeah, I'd love that. Great. So thank you so much again for participating. And I hope you have an awesome day ahead. Thank you. You too.